You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera and everything in between, if you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go to a local retail store. Or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com. They have thousands of local retail shops all over the U.S., so you can go there as well. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Woo! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and uh, Bob Polanik, Mr. Co-host. He is MIA this week. He is out in eastern Nebraska chasing whitetails with a bow, and that is as good of a transition into what the topic of today's podcast uh, is about today that that you're going to get, so... Today, we're going to be talking with two different individuals from two different bow manufacturers, right? And uh, we talk a lot about high-level questions as, you know, as far as what makes a good compound bow, what makes a good bow for bow hunters, and then we get into a little bit of their their product line as well. And it it always kind of strikes me funny that the... October, November, maybe even December, January timeframe is when these companies introduce their new bow lineups. And that just means that they're introducing their bows in the season while everybody's already bow hunting or after the season just gets out. I would think that they would want to introduce those products in the late spring, early summer months. So that way everybody has time to test them out get them set up for the upcoming season but i am not a bow manufacturer so today we're going to learn out a little bit more about why that is we're going to talk with uh, elite and we're going to talk with prime and these are two companies that uh, i would i would call them the cream of the crop when it comes to the bow manufacturers that are in the industry and uh, we're going to kick things off with 
Josh Sidebottom. Now, Josh uh, is an engineer at heart, and he talks a lot about, uh, you know, what makes a good bow. And that's the first question that I ask him is, what makes a good compound bow? Yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot of things that go into the design of a bow and what people are looking for. But, you know, ultimately, the end result uh, is is what the consumer is going to be most impressed with. So is the bow easy to shoot? Is it accurate? Um, And and is it forgiving? You know, for those pressure situations where, you know, your grip's not exactly the same as that buck's coming in, um, you know, how forgiving is that bow to those kind of, uh, changes in your form. Um, but you know, there's a lot of, a lot of specs and different ways to achieve that. But from a very high level standpoint, I'd say ease of shooting and, and accuracy. Gotcha. And that's one thing that, uh, I hear the buzzword a lot, especially when you're talking to the hunting community is forgiveness, right? Everybody wants to put the, you know, the deer or the animal down, with relative ease, right? And especially in those yeah. high pressure situations. So dive down into that a little bit more, I guess. What is forgiveness? What are the specs behind forgiveness in a, in a bow? Yeah. Um, there are some, some real tangible things in a bow design that result in forgiveness. And then there are, I would say some of the more intangible that you know, where it may vary a little bit from person to person, where someone may find a a larger brace height is more forgiving for them or a, a longer axle to axle. Um, and those may be more the intangible things where it's just a, more of a comfort, um, how comfortable they are with the bow that results in a more forgiving setup. Um, but if you're looking at, you know, real, you know, things you can point your finger to as far as forgiveness goes, um, it's going to, it's going to come in some in the riser design, um, all the way to the cams and, and, you know, one, one way to look at it is if you, if you take a bow that is very sensitive to grip pressure, um, you're going to lose some forgiveness out of that setup because not everyone shoots the bow the exact same every time. Um, so a bow that, you know, you can kind of torque the grip and your point of impact doesn't change is ultimately going to be a more forgiving setup. And when you're looking to design that into the bow, um, a balanced cam system, um, you know, rigidity throughout the riser and the limbs um, will all result in a a more forgiving setup from a design side. Gotcha. So does this mean that if you have poor form, uh, poor shooting form, that a bow like that might be able to help you uh, if maybe you do have a little bit of buck fever or you have really crappy form. Yeah. You know, it's not so much, you know, poor form. I, I know I see people talk about form all the time, poor form. If you repeat poor form over and over again, you're going to be just as accurate as somebody with good form. Right. Um, it's more inconsistency in your form. And, and yeah, you know, those things we talked about, the inconsistency of, of your form. Maybe you have a glove on now and you don't usually shoot with a glove on, you know, those subtle little changes on how you hold the bow can change your point of impact and a well-designed bow will compensate for that or reduce the variability and accuracy because of those changes. Gotcha. Okay. So 
when when someone picks up a hunting bow and they you know they're they're looking to purchase one for the first time and they want uh, either a forgiving bow or an accurate bow or whatever is there a specific design piece like the riser uh, has this design in it or the the cams have this design in it that they need to be really focused on that may help them uh you know help them be a better archer um you know i, I think uh, some of the new technology that we've been working on um you know i believe will become kind of those talking points um that archers should be looking for but if they're if they're walking into a shop and they want a forgiving setup that will you know, it, you can definitely walk into a shop and pick up two different bows and immediately shoot one better than the other. And a lot of that is going to come down to, um, what feels better to that person. Um, sometimes it's what they're, what they're used to if they've been shooting a different bow before. Um, other times it's just, you know, you pick up a bow and it just feels right. And, you know, the shootability that, that, that we talk about on our bows, um, the ease of drawing it back, how easy it is to hold a full draw, um, all those things that we try to build into our bows will will make someone adapt more quickly to our product, pick it up, shoot it better right out of the gate than something that might have a more aggressive draw cycle. Uh, it's a little jumpy on the back wall. Um, those kind of things can make it difficult for someone to be accurate, you know, picking up a new bow for the first time. Right. Okay. So break that down once, uh, as far as the, the elite series bows, what makes your bows the most shootable bows? The world's most shootable bows is your guys' tagline. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of that comes down to what the bow feels like when you draw it and hold it at full draw. And that, that feel that we, we strive for is, comes out of the cam design. Um, you know, we have specific, a specific draw force curve that we're trying to achieve when we design a cam. And, you know, every year we do, when we design a new cam, we'll, we'll push the limits of it one way or the other, and then we'll, we'll settle in on what gives us that elite feel. But it's, it's a bow that you're, you're – you're not going to struggle with getting it back to full draw. Um, you know, it's going to, as you start drawing a bow back at the beginning of the draw cycle, you have a lot of strength in that position. When you start getting towards the back end of the draw cycle, just the anatomy of, of your body, you're not as strong at that position. So a lot of people, you'll see them say, well, this bow's got a hump um, at the back end. If you actually plot out that draw force curve, I mean, some may, but most of them, there's no visible hump. The peak weight is not increasing, but it, it feels that way because you're actually getting weaker while the peak weight is staying the same. So we try to tailor our draw force curves to where the person has the most strength so that it's a smooth draw all the way back and you're not exerting excess energy, just getting the boat a full draw. And then when you get an elite to full draw, you'll notice that 90%, that high let off, you feel locked in. It's easy to hold the bow at full draw. Um, and those are the things that really were, were what created the whole shootability movement in archery. And then, you know, 
you take that feel and you combine it with a, a rigid riser, riser design and a um, forgiving geometry and all those things are what, what makes an elite bow an elite. Gotcha. Okay. So now with all that said, every year I try to go to the ATA show and I try to shoot as many bows as I possibly can just to get you know, a feel of what, what's out there. And there are a lot of different bow manufacturers out there. Um, you know, and with yep. a lot of different price points and a lot of different features and, you know, every spec that you list for every bow, there's just a thousand different, um, manufacturer skews out there with all the different manufacturers. Yep. So my question is, is this is a long way of asking it, but I feel that there <laughs> is a, there's the cream of the crop, right? There, there is a notice, yep. there's noticeable differences in ways shoot, uh, bow shoot, but then there is the cream of the crop, which there are only, in my opinion, a few manufacturers that can fit into that category. And then the differences start to get so minuscule that maybe the average Joe can't tell the difference of what might be the best bow for them. So what makes a cream of the crop bow or bow manufacturer? Is it process? Is it materials? Is it the design? Is it a combination? Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a combination. You know, if you look across the the industry, you know, there's there's multiple companies making really high quality archery products. Um, and you know, w- when you talk about that that upper echelon of products, you know, the materials being used are going to be very similar. But that is kind of what's going to differentiate them from a lower price point compound bow. Um, but process is definitely part of it. You know, not all bows are built the same way. Um, decoration, um, you know, and I'll just speak for us at Elite. You know, we decorate our, our bows using a color fusion process, which is uh, a little bit more labor intensive and costly, but it, it gives us um, uh, an incredible finish on our products. Um, you know, we take a lot of pride in our our quality and our decoration Um we try, we strive for, you know, zero machining marks and any of the machine parts, um, you know, those kind of, those kind of additional steps you take or can separate, you know, one bow company from another or, or one price point from another, as far as, um, the care that goes into building each bow. And, you know, each one of our bows, they don't run through an assembly line of, um, people just throwing parts at it. You know, these are built, in a similar environment to what you would experience at a, at a pro shop setting where when the bow gets strung up, it goes to a, a skilled tuner who's going through and setting all the specs, making sure everything's perfect before it goes into a box and goes out the door. Gotcha. Gotcha. And would you say that that is what a majority of the other cream of the crop manufacturers are doing or like are, the bow is being assembled by a person and not by people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for everyone. I, I know there are some, um, that are built more in an assembly line fashion and, and, you know, aren't necessarily utilizing some of the finishing techniques that, that we are here. I think, you know, we feel as though that's a differentiator for us over some of the competitors who are also making, you know, very high quality products. I don't want to take anything away, away from them, but, yeah. Um, you know, that's, those are some of the things about an elite that we pride ourselves on. Yeah. So 
and this this question is completely random, popped in my head. Sure. I would think that all these bow manufacturers that are releasing bows in October, November, December, January, right? I feel like that's the window where everybody's releasing their new bows, their brand new bows. My question is, why are you guys releasing a brand new bow during the hunting season and not a couple months before the hunting season? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, you know, since I have come into the industry, it's always been a bit of a, a question mark for me as well. You know, it, it doesn't seem to um, it doesn't seem to make the most sense. You know, from the outside looking in, but um, there are some factors that go into it. You know, one, you know, if you look at late October, and you know, whitetail hunting the the, the driving hunting industry for for our product. So late October is when the bulk of anyone who's a bow hunter is, is dialed into, you know, their mind is on bow hunting. Right. Um, so, you know, that I believe is part of it. You know, the other thing with the timing, um, you know, dealers have inventory going into the hunting season and, you know, there, a lot of their focus is on moving that existing inventory out to get ready for new stuff to come in. Um, so, you know, kind of getting through the, their peak selling season um, allows them to clear some of that shelf space off for new product to come in. And honestly, I think part of it is just the whole industry does it. And um, other companies in the past have tried to stray from this kind of, you know, mid September through mid November launch period. And, and I believe it because everyone's so trained into buying new bows, you know, Dealer-wise, you know, getting new bows in this time of year, it's, uh, you know, it can impact your, your sales if you stray too far from from what people are used to. Gotcha. Okay. All right. We're going to take a kind of a hard right and now start focus, you know, focus on elite uh, for a second. But you you are the, the chief operating officer at uh, elite currently, right? Correct. It. Yep. The outdoor group, the outdoor group. Right. And then, but you do have a background in the, in bow design, correct? Engineering port part of that. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So when elite sits down at their conference room or whatever, and they say to themselves, all right, let's start talking about next year's bow or however many years in advance that you guys do that. What's yep. that, what's that conversation like? You know, we have a process that we go through here um, when, when we're determining what the next product is going to be. And it includes multiple steps, you know, looking at our current offerings, you know, what we would like to improve, what the market is doing, doing, um, you know, some competitor analysis of what they're doing well, what, um, what we could look at to improve on our products. And, and then, you know, looking at what the market is asking for. Um, and it, things are somewhat cyclical, on, you know, short axle to axle, longer axle to axle, you know, people want shorter brace heights and then longer brace heights. Those things kind of, kind of go in trends. So we try to try to stay on top of what, you know, what people are, are really wanting out of the new products. Um, and, you know, we're, the, the, we're not going that, most times we're not going that far outside of the box. You know, we're, 
we want a hunting bow, we know it has to be 28 to 34 inches axle to axle. Brace height has to be, um, you know, to be acceptable somewhere between six and seven inches. Uh, you know, we have, so we're not, we're not straying that far, but when we went into this product cycle, you know, we had some, some new areas of focus that we really wanted to hit on being adjustability of our bows and, uh, well, you know, we're calling now tunability. So the ability for someone to pick up this bow, get it shooting, um, like a, a finely tuned uh, piece of equipment, you know, very easily and, and quickly. Gotcha. So what would you say the percentages are, or maybe like out of, out of 10 people who buy a bow, how many of those people want to work on it themselves as opposed to take it to a bow shop and have somebody do it? Do you have a, a estimate? Yeah, you know, I, I think that the number of people who want to work on their own bows is definitely increasing. Um, to put a hard number on it, I, I think, you know, it's trending more towards that um, 50-50 number and, you know, 5 out of 10. But I think it also varies depending on kind of the price point and consumer that you're you're talking about. You know, obviously, if you follow guys that are on the forums and are really diehard, interested in this stuff you know that percentage is going to be skewed towards you know those kind of guys want to work on their own stuff but there's still a lot of bow hunters that buy high-end products and really have no interest in in messing with it they they just want to take it to their dealer and have them work on it um so i I, i'd say that in the high-end product category it's trending more towards 50 50 but probably still on the on the lower side of that right Okay. All right. So you're at this round table with all the different departments within elite, you know, you got the engineers, you got the marketing, the sales guys or whatever, and everybody is bringing their own ideas to this, uh, you know, to this meeting. And, you know, the engineers come to the table and they say, guys, we have literally just made the perfect bow, but it looks like a trash can or it looks like (laughs) crap, right? Like no one, everybody would just walk straight by it regardless of how it shot because it looked ugly or whatever. What, what are there conversations like that to where maybe the efficiency of the bow or some of the specs have to be altered because marketing or another department says, dude, that's great, but we can't sell it. Yeah. You know, I think, we don't let it, we don't, we try not to use the trash can word, uh, but no, we don't, we try not to let it get that far, um, you know, kind of down the road without uh, allowing that input. So, you know, it's not like we designed something, all right, here it is. And then, and then people's feedback is, um, you know, that's not acceptable or we can't sell that. So, you know, keeping the the team in the loop throughout the design process uh, allows for, you know, kind of, shifts in direction during the design versus getting to the end and having to, to regroup on something. But uh, we do give a lot of, a lot of the design freedom to um, you know, our engineers to, you know, put their own personal touches on, on the products. Um, and, you know, we have our marketing team that actually on, on one of our new bows, the um, one of our graphic designers helped with some of, the aesthetics of, of what the riser was going to look like. Um, and we ended up, you know, mocking up three or four of them and, you know, relatively quickly and in software and, 
and getting the key people together and going through and, and selecting which one, you know, have kind of voting on them to see which direction they wanted to go. Because, yeah, I mean, performance and it's a machine, so you want it to perform. That's that's objective number one, but it, it definitely has to look cool, too, or it's, it's not going to come off the shelf. Right. So from inception to the day that you guys make the announcement saying, hey, we have new bows, what is the what's that time frame look like? Uh, it can it can be different from project to project. You know, some may be a um, depending on how involved it is, and it could be a uh, 36 month project. It could be a 24 um you know, that would be really heavy R and D type, um, development, but kind of a typical, uh, bow project, you know, I would say is uh, a 12 month cycle from, um, you know, kind of idea generation to, to shipping products. Um, you know, when, when we get into, you know, some of the new stuff that we have, um, you know, there's components of this that we've been working on for a while. Um, trying to get dialed in, you know, some of the new technology. Um, but th- those are kind of being worked on separately than, you know, it, it has to be on this bow for this time period. It was more R and D. Once we nailed it, we, we incorporated those new technologies into this new bow cycle. Gotcha. Okay. How competitive, how competitive is the actual bow market these days? It's, you know, it, it's definitely competitive. Um, there's there's quite a few companies making really good bows, and and you know, Elite has always been, you know, on the shootability side of what we tried to incorporate into our bows, and the rest of the market has kind of um, started to lean more in that direction, where it's less about how fast is it. Um, you obviously have to maintain good speed, but it's more more people are interested in how it draws and how it feels, um, which, you know, I think Elite kind of shifted the market there because while others were chasing speed, they went after smooth. So as more companies have kind of shifted their focus on their flagships to a smooth drawing bow, you know, it's really, I believe, made it more competitive um, because now a lot of companies are kind of chasing that those same features. There's less differentiation between manufacturers. Um, so it, it's definitely competitive, um, you know, and as the, the market goes um, through its cycles of being up, being down, um, it, it definitely, um, there's not, there, it's, it's not like we look around at, at comp- competitors and say, well, they're, you know, they're producing garbage, so we don't have to worry about them. Everyone's got good products. Gotcha. All right. So it's uh 2019 lineup or let's see the, the brand new bows that uh, you guys are releasing. Let's talk a little bit about that. How many brand new bows are you guys uh, bringing to market this year? So here at the end of October, we're launching two new bows um, and you know, we'll continue to have other new products. You know, we have nine different brands here at the outdoor group. Um, that will launch, you know, there'll be some products we launch at ATA and, and, you know, at appropriate times throughout the year. But, uh, the, the big focus right now is on these two new bows, a hunting bow and a target bow. They're going to launch on, on the 29th of October. 
Gotcha. 29th of October. And what are those bows? Okay. So the, uh, you know, this is, and we had our sales team in uh, going through the new products a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, you, from a design side, you get so involved in all the details of, of these that it, it's, it's nice to get some outside perspective in. And it really has just ramped up our excitement. But we've got some awesome new new bows to bring out with some new technology. But the first one is the Cure. Uh, it's our hunting bow. It's um, uh, just under 32 inches axle to axle with a, a 6 and, and 5 eighths brace height. Uh, 335 feet per second. Um, you know, the bow looks awesome, but it's got some of these new technologies I've been kind of hinting at. You know, it's got a new cam system, uh, which we're calling our ASIM Tri-Track Cam System, which incorporates a, a rotating module for draw length adjustment. So we actually have seven inches of draw length adjustment on this cam. Uh, you don't need a bow press or anything to change that draw length. And you can actually adjust it in quarter-inch increments all the way from um, 23 to 30 inches of draw length. So I don't have to put that bow in a press to adjust the draw length on it? Correct. Yep. And and that's one of the ease of adjustability features that we wanted to incorporate into, into this new bow launch. So, um, yeah, there's three screws that you would uh, loosen and, you know, rotate the module into the your desired position and screw them back down. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the challenges with this, um, this style cam system with the way we've done it, where we have, we've actually got uh, at least always been a two track cam system company. So, you know, what that means for those that, that don't know, it's a fully synchronized system, which there's some huge benefits to, um, but it, it has two cables on one side of the cam on the same track, which is a great cam system, but one of the downsides is it really prevents you from effectively putting an adjustable module system on there without taking it off and taking it apart and putting a new module on. Um, so we went to a tri-track cam system with a cable on each side of the cam, which gets us the benefit of uh, a balanced cable load on your axle. So it re greatly reduces cam lane um, it stabilizes everything on the, on the axle and, um, it allowed us to, you know, run cable stops. And one of the challenges was incorporating a limb stop into this design with a cable on each side of the cam. And, uh, we kind of pushed, pushed and pushed to get it. We finally found a way to incorporate a limb stop also. So someone who's familiar with elite, um, uh, the, the things that, you know, it kind of came up on a smooth draw cycle and, and hard back wall. And, you know, we we're able to achieve this out of this new cam system also. Awesome. All right. Uh, and uh, you said there was another one that you guys are releasing. Yep. Uh, it's called the result. And that is our target, our competition bow, um, which shares, you know, the same cam platform that, that we talked about on the cure. Uh, the result is a, 38 inch axle by axle bow with a seven and a quarter inch brace height, IVO speed of 325. And obviously um, the technologies are similar, but the geometry is, is quite a bit different. You know, that being a target bow, people are, are looking for something longer axle by axle, longer brace height, really stable and, and holds steady and is forgiving. And, and that's kind of the, the, what we targeted on for geometry on that bow. 
Okay. What's the what's the target market? What what percentage of uh, bows that you sell are are target based? Yeah, um, you know, I, I'd say we as a company um, we may not represent the the whole industry as far as percentage goes. Um, I, I think probably we we are higher uh, by percentage on target bows than you know some of our competitors who don't really get involved in target archery. Um, but you know, we could from our standpoint, we sell call it fifteen percent um, target bows, and we have some crossover products that can be difficult to classify whether it's being used for target archery or for hunting. Um, so using a, a round number, I'd say about 15% of our bow sales are target related. Gotcha. Okay. Well, is there anything else, uh, new about, uh, elite that you yeah. want to share or is there any other, uh, I, 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 I always hear this when I'm at the ATA show, it's this word technology yeah. and it trying it, uh, for me, I'm a, a little bit into the gear game. Uh, I talk to a lot of bow manufacturers throughout a year. I talk to a lot of people who shoot, and I hear this technology, uh, the word technology. We have new technology, and I know you've already mentioned some of that, <laughs> but yeah. the average Joe who goes yeah. out there and buy it, and all they see is a new bow, right? So how? Right. I, I guess my question is, how do you guys educate the end user on this quote-unquote new technology? Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't, um, there is a, another big technology that is really, uh, the part that I'm most excited about that you'll find on a, a new elite cure or result. And that is set what we call set technology, which is simplified exact tuning. Um, and it is, you know, we really believe we have a breakthrough here on how people are going to tune their bows. Um, so when we talk technology, you're right. Every year, People are talking technology, um, and we actually feel like we've got something that's new and different. It's never been done before on these bows. And um, it, to try to explain it, the the most common way currently on, on our bows and other bows in the industry, and not everyone necessarily does this, but they they may start to now with this new technology, is a lot of people will paper tune their bows. Um, so the intent of paper tuning, for those that don't know, you shoot an arrow through a piece of paper at, call it five yard, you know, six feet away from the paper. And you can read as your arrow coming straight out of the bow or is the back of the arrow kicking to the left or kicking to the right. Um, and then how do you fix that if that's the case? So, you know, from a bow hunting standpoint, if your arrow's coming out of your bow with the with the back to vein side of the arrow to the left and you get all sighted in, you know, you may be able to shoot good, pretty good groups. Um, but then you go and screw a, a fixed blade broadhead onto your arrow and you shoot at your practice target. It's going to hit to the right of your field points. You're no longer going to be dialed in. Um, because you, you put the, you put a fixed blade on and that will steer the front of the arrow. So if your arrow is coming out of the bow sideways, it's going to catch air and, and steer it to the right. Yeah. Um, a, lo a lot of people, and you know, I'm guilty of this when I was a young bow hunter, I didn't, I didn't understand that. Um, so, you know, what do you do at that point? Do you go buy a different broadhead? Do you recite in your bow for your fixed blades? Um, 
we've got a technology on this that allows you to fix that on the bow, you know, no bow press required. All you're doing is loosening a lockdown screw and making an adjustment on the limb pocket. So that set technology um, essentially does what yoke tuning or shimming your cam would have done in the past. But both of those methods, you need a bow press. You have to be pretty comfortable taking a bow apart, putting it back together, and to know how to make those adjustments. Um, we've got on this bow, and obviously once, once this is launched and out there, there's going to be some great video content explaining this. But the pivot, the rear of our limb pocket um, can actually rotate about an axis um, on the riser, and it's micro-adjustable. So you can, if you're looking at your limbs from the back and you've got a split limb bow, you got a left limb and a right limb, you know, right now they're, they're parallel, they're on the same plane. Well, if you can imagine taking those and rotating them so that one limb is a little bit higher than the other, um, in either direction, what you're basically doing is applying more load, um, shifting the balance of the load from one side to the other, which in turn affects the way the cam leans um, on the on the limb tips and changes your lateral mock travel. So when you have a, an arrow that's coming out of the bow, you know, kicking to the left or kicking to the right, it's because when the you're firing that arrow, the string is is pushing the arrow not directly straight from behind. So by changing your lateral knock travel, you can align the path of your string with the back of your arrow to get it to shoot a perfect bullet hole, to get it to shoot your field points with your with your fixed blades. And all it takes is a 5.30 Allen wrench, um, and you can make the adjustments while you're standing on the line or out in the backyard shooting. Yeah, that's uh, that's some pretty uh, unique. Is is this is this what you would call like a, a breakthrough type of technology or an industry? Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like other people are going to see this and go, "Holy cow, uh, we need to copy yeah. that." Yeah, yeah, you know that's how that's definitely how we feel about it, and um, you know it's exciting to come into a new bow launch and have something that we're so confident and excited about, and we believe that other people are going to look at this and, and say, Oh man, um, you know, wish we would have thought of that. Um, but this all kind of came about from the target side of, of what we invest in here elite at elite, you know, one of our, one of our pro shooters, Nathan Brooks, he's also a, a design consultant for us. And, you know, we've been working on a couple different ways to make bows easier to tune and, and he was working on his wife's bow and was just having a hard time getting it to tune. So he started playing with some different things on the rocker, which supports the limbs on the back and, um, you know, felt like he was getting it to respond the way he wanted. Um, so we got together and started sketching and drawing up a concept and, and, you know, it, it all came together really well. It just kind of clicked and, but even going into the first prototyping phase of this, there's still that, that doubt, like, is this going to, is this going to be an effective adjustment? Is it going to be responsive? Is it going to be durable? Is it, you have all these questions and, um, you know, we've tried things in the past. So you start to get a little skeptical on, 
you know, is it gonna is it gonna do what we think it's gonna do? And it has exceeded every expectation we've had for it. Um, the first prototype we built, the ability to get this thing to shoot a bullet hole in a matter of seconds, and then hand the bow to someone else who grips the bow completely differently and make a slight adjustment here, and then they're shooting a bullet hole. Um, it's been really powerful. And then we got into shooting bear shaft arrows uh, from one person to the next and getting those to tune. Um, it's, it's just really been incredible how fast you can get this bow tuned and tuned properly and effectively um, and in a matter of seconds. Huge shout out to uh, Mr. Josh Sidebottom. Really appreciate your time, man. Now, the next person that I talked to is Tim Chekarowski, and he works for Prime. And we kind of have some of the same conversation, but I always find it interesting to see how different manufacturers and different companies answer the same questions. The first question that I asked him was about compound bows, but then I threw a twist on the question and talked about compound bows for bow hunters. I think what's what's great about, uh, especially with- with bow hunters is it's such a variety. I mean, you, if you talk to talk to your buddies, talk to you know other fellow bow hunters, and you, you might, you're going to come up with uh, different responses. Um, you know, there's you know some guys are going to want a bow that's you know nice and quiet. Um, some bow hunters are going to want you know a bow that's got uh, plenty of speed behind it. Uh, other guys, are, you know, bow hunters are, are looking for a bow that's uh, compact. Um, you know, and I think some of the best bows out there are going to, you know, find ways to incorporate um, a lot more than just, you know, one specific feature into their bows um, com- compared to, you know, uh, having uh, a lot of benefits rather than just, you know, one one benefit that stands out. Right. Um, I think what we do a great job at Prime is, you know, find find that balance. We we find a, a bow that's super accurate. Uh, it's easy to tune so that, you know, helps with that accuracy. Uh, they're nice and quiet and they got plenty of speed behind them as well. Gotcha. So when, when you guys sit around your round table, right. And you say, okay, let's design Mm -hmm. the next model bow or the next, you know, whatever, however many years out you guys are on your design. Uh, what do those conversations look like and sound like? You know, it, it, uh, those conversations, I would say they evolve over the, uh, the course of the year or, or rather year, years. Um, because if you're going to survive in this industry, you, you kind of have a, uh, a really a long-term plan, uh, kind of a, a sense of uh, where, where are we going, you know, in, in the same regard as, you know, taking into consideration where the industry is going. Um, you know, every year it's, you know, you, you'll see or you'll try to make some uh, improvements here and there. Whether it's regard to speed, um, sound, how, how the bows are, uh, you know, can we can we make it any quieter? And then uh, also, um, you know, our engineers are very focused as they've always been on accuracy and making bow hunters and archers um, as accurate uh, as they possibly can be. Gotcha. You know, the uh, the prime prime line that you know what's what separates it apart is the uh, the parallel cam technology. And it's done a great job of, you know, leading to consistency because those cams, they, they don't have the uh, ability to, to lean one way or the other. So if you have a, uh, at bring that consistency into your draw cycle in the shot sequence, it just makes for a more, uh, a more positive and beneficial experience shooting the bow. 
Um, in past years, uh, I think this will be going on our third year now, uh, we've introduced uh, center grip technology, which leads, um, you, you know, to something that you notice right out, you know, right as soon as that bow was pulled out of the box, you already notice like how well the bow is balanced without, you know, having to add, you know, any, any weight, you know, on the bow between stabilizers or just, you know, counterbalance weight, uh, in general, it's designed to keep, uh, keep you accurate because the more balanced the bow is, the less that pin's going to move. And so you, you lead to a more, uh, consistent shooting and, you know, when you're consistent you're accurate gotcha so when we talk about when i know when you talk about accuracy it might be different than when i talk about accuracy because i i feel that accuracy has a lot to do with the shooter not the bow but the shooter now other than what you've talked just talked about maybe with a center grip technology and your dual cams are there are there any other specs that make uh the the machine itself the bow itself more accurate compared to other uh, bows on the market you know it's from from axle axle i i think it's an incorporation of all the uh the bow as as a whole uh, of the features of the bow um our engineers they they take in consideration that it's not just a uh you know a um you know, a, a riser uh, or or a set of limbs or a set of cams. They understand it's it's all of those parts working together um, with the goal of as you, as you say, you know, accuracy. Um, humans are machines, and you know, you shoot your bow differently than I do than compared to the next you know archer. And so it's uh, when it when it comes to making a bow that's accurate for both you know depending on on your definition of the word or or what you're uh, considering, it's uh, really about like end of the day making that bow drive that arrow as straight and as level as possible. And our our guys here at engineering understand it's it's more than just uh, the cams um, or the or the riser. It's like if the uh, the cams are, are straight and then that you know transfers into a riser that doesn't move on you and that leads to a, a cable slide that allows um, for uh, tension to be changed from the cables to the string and vice versa then you're um, that much further ahead in just picking up the bow because your arrow is going you know that arrow is going to leave that bow as straight and as level as possible right so it's almost like a mathematical equation. You know, if uh, whatever the equation equals an awesome bow, you, you can tune and twitch and uh, move those numbers around, whatever that equation is, and the outcome can still be uh, a very high-quality shooting bow. Oh, absolutely. It, it turns into a more favorable, uh, as I keep saying, experience because um, – you know, sometimes, like, you know, whether you're practicing or you're in a competition or, you know, in a, uh, in, you know, a, a tense uh, a bow hunting situation, if you, um, you know, have that, uh, like, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a factor of the wind or you didn't, uh, you know, make the, uh, what you thought was a great shot, you know, the uh, the bow itself, and, you know, the engineer team doesn't like me using this term, but, you know, it turns the bow into a more forgiving um, shooting uh, bow compared to uh, the 
you know, the competition. Gotcha. And, uh, what is your definition of forgiving? My definition of forgiving is that, you know, you can count on the bow, um, count on the equipment to, to, ju- to do what you needed to do. Um, even if, uh, you haven't exactly done everything as absolutely perfect as you uh, may need to. I, I think, you know, certain, you know, the forgiveness is going to be lower um, in, in equipment that makes you pay for your mistakes. Yeah. And it's going to be higher in equipment that is, you know, designed to, uh, to, to help you be a better archer. Okay. So let me ask you this then. I go to the ATA show every year and I try to shoot as much as many bows as possible from a variety of different manufacturers and just from feel alone and then you add in my personal preference um I feel that there there is a wide range obviously but there's there's a cream of the crop you know and and I asked this uh same question uh to the, our previous guest and so I want to get your opinion of what what differentiates a good bow from a great bow? I think that is it's going it's to be easier to tell the difference once the bow is set up um, to to the point that those bows at the ATA show, even you know when you go to your, your local uh, pro pro shop, you're more often than not, you're shooting the bow to get an idea on how the bow, how the draw cycle is, how the bow feels after the shot, and even how the bow sounds. And a lot of times, that's what you know will uh, make your, you know, help uh, help you make your decision on one bow compared to the other. But I think, in the end, is like what makes a great bow is the part that comes after. Is that once you've decided the bow. How easy is it to set up? How easy is it to tune? And then how good is or how accurate and consistent is it for you once you're you're, you're set up? Gotcha. Um, I, I think that's a it's a part that gets um, sometimes overlooked because um, you're so focused on the initial impression that the um, second impression is the one that you're going to experience uh, a lot more and have to. Um, uh, really, in a, in, a, in a sense, deal with for the uh, as long as you, as you own that bow. Okay. Uh, so my question is, when when a guy it's his turn to go, and you know maybe he's looking for a new bow. Do you think do you think guys are guys and gals out there are shooting enough bows to see what they actually like, or do you think they're they're limited to what's offering you know what they're offering is near them? Well, I, I still recommend um, to to anybody that when they're when they're looking to get a uh, into a new bow, is shoot as many as you can. Uh, get your you know go to your your pro shop, go to you know where you intend to buy the bow, and you know spend some time there. Um, you know that's I I think that's what the difference between a, a, a professional a pro shop versus um, you know say like a, a big box store is that. They're, they're there to answer your questions. They're there to, you know, set bows up for you and just kind of see what uh, is uh, what you're going to like the best. And then at that point, I mean, make sure you 
uh, ask uh, ask some questions about the bows, or even really the most important question I think is just to have, you know, ask that person behind the counter, you know, what can you tell me about this bow? Um, so you're gonna still, I think you still run into situations where, where people will come in the shop and say, I've heard about um, this bow. Um, let's set one up and, you know, we'll take it home. And then, but you're also going to have, you know, in another way, uh, not sure what I'm looking for. So, you know, let's set up a few and, you know, go from there. And then there's, I, I think to, to round it out or rather is, uh, you know, a third uh, option is, you know, the person, the customer comes in and asks, uh, you know, person behind the counter, what boat do you shoot? You know, t- tell me about that and, and why you like it and, you know, what, uh, you know, what you think would be, uh, would be best for me. Right. So I, I once heard someone from prime, I'm not sure if it was you or somebody else say, we make bows for bow hunters. Now, is there, you know, obviously there's a group of people who may just buy your guys's bows to go shoot in their backyard or recreationally, or maybe even tournaments, whatever. But then for the bow hunter side of things, is there, is there any difference or when you guys sit down and design a bow for a quote unquote bow hunter, um, do you guys say, Oh, this is, this would be great for, uh, the backyard shooter or the target archer, but this would really be awesome for the, the bow hunter. And then does that affect how you guys do your design? You know, it's, it's taken into consideration. I, I would say that, uh, the bows are designed, um, with the bow hunter in mind first, um, because the uh, owners of the company, the graces are all bow hunters, uh, at heart. Um, they grew up bow hunting and they've uh, been able to take, uh, their engineering expertise into, uh, uh, their designs for bows and bow access in, you know, archery accessories and really come out with a, a great product. Now, I think what ends up happening is, um, you know, the bows are designed so well for bow hunters. It, you could almost call it an uh, over-design, but probably uh, the best way to describe it is that they're designed so well that the uh, target archers, com- competition archers, take notice, and it, it, you know, it's a bow that can work out very well as a uh, competition bow as well. Um, I think the you know better example would be our uh, you know our couple of bows in our current lineup, uh, the Logic CT5 and the Logic CT9, is that they were you know like I said designed with the uh, uh, bow hunter in mind. The, the CT9 was designed to be a, a long uh, a, a longer axle axle bow for with long draw uh, draw length archers in mind, but it uh, it balances and you know shoots so well that. You know, I I think we uh, saw a lot more on the target uh, and competition circuit than maybe we were expecting. I mean, it was certainly a pleasant surprise. Nice. So, yep. so then, when it comes to um, your guys's the the first thing I when I see a prime, I see the dual, um, you know, the dual cams. Mm-hmm. Are you guys? Is that something that is like? your that that is that's symbolistic to your brand and you're going to keep can keep doing it what happens if uh one of your design engineers uh whatever you know says here i got this idea but it's going to take away from the dual cam is the dual cam that 
that in, like that important to where or that functional to where it's so good that you will never go away from it or are are you going to potentially go away from it with a single cam the uh dual cam with prime is so iconic i mean it's it's been on all the prime bows from from day one and the engineering team you know has never wavered in the in the idea or the thought that uh you know they would uh, or even you know given given any attention to the idea that they would uh, would go away from it i wouldn't see them uh changing uh that design or system anytime soon not uh not in a good long while uh it's it's proven itself um and i would say that's the the reason why they want to stick to it is because it's proven itself as a, a very um uh, unique system in the sense that it people notice right away uh just how easy the bows are to shoot how easy they are to tune and you know, as long as that, po- that experience remains positive, uh, they're going to stick to it. Okay. All right. So in a week, I think uh, the first week in November, you guys are releasing a, your new lineup. Uh, Correct. Uh, the no, next uh, Thursday, the 7th, next we're going to launch our new bows. Okay. November 7th, you're launching your new lineup. Um, mm-hmm. I know you can't, like, drop you know, drop all the information because this is launching this week, but, um, what can you tell us about the new lineup? What's different? What's the same? Uh, what are you excited about? Well, we're, uh, continuing, you know, obviously with our, uh, parallel cam, we're going to continue with our center grip technology that has also proven itself, uh, you know, very well for us over these uh, past few years. Um, we, we think it's uh, very important to, to stick with, uh, something that, is really contributing to a uh, positive experience for the bow hunter. Center grip, being as balanced as it is, as I mentioned before, is you know been a, a great uh, great feature and uh, you know uh, element or a, I'm sorry, piece of technology in the bows. Um, continuing with the uh, the riser, uh, the uh, material that they use, uh, the 82x. Um, again, it, it's a material that circles back around and makes sure that the uh, um, the knock travel as the bow is shot is you know level and straight as, as you know as, as perfectly as it gets right. um, now the I guess what I can tell you about the the bows is um, at least it's going to be a, a new feature is going to be a, a lot in the cam system um, again we're, we're sticking with the parallel cam but there's gonna be a new feature um, to the cams uh, that is going to have benefits to both um, competitive archers um, and uh, deal and our our prime dealers alike. Um, for the longest time, it's uh, we've we've kept to uh, our our system with the parallel cams that we felt was um, the most efficient way for uh, to so that the archer doesn't isn't losing any speed or any um, any energy when the bow is fired, but um, so it took a while to come up to crunch the numbers and to get to the, uh, the system that we're going to be introducing uh, next week. It's um, very unique. Um, it's uh, a system that uh, we haven't done before um, in Prime, and so it's uh, going to make the experience uh, really easier for I-, I think for for like I said, both target archers. Um, bow hunters and, and, you know, prime dealers alike. 
Very cool. Very cool. Now I want to hear, I want to hear a sales pitch um, from you in regards to not only the brand prime, maybe, and maybe talk about the brand, but um, as a whole, but the brand, if there's a guy and he's listening to this and he's thinking about what his next bow should be, um, why should he consider not only your bows, but the brand prime? Brand Prime is a family-owned business. Um, it's uh, they have this is a third-generation family-owned uh, company, and they know uh, they know bow hunters. They they know what it's uh, you know how important the uh, it is to like the, the sense of you know go, going out and and bow hunting, and they've been doing it for you know these past generations. So. Um, you're dealing with a company that is uh, very true to uh, to its roots. Uh, the brand itself, Prime, is uh, you know for since two, uh, 2010 has um, really just you know con- uh, been uh, improving um, both in its product as well as its uh, uh, presence uh, in the market every year. And I think a lot of that goes to the uh, the level of uh, quality. And attention to detail that goes into the products that uh, that we've developed. Um, warranty, I, I think we have one of the uh, pretty. I don't think I'm fairly confident we have the uh, best warranty uh, on the market. Uh, lifetime warranty to the original owner, and you get free strings and cables every two years for as long as you uh, you own the bow. Wow. So register the bow. Two years down the line, time to get uh, new set. Of streams and cables, you can either contact us, go to your prime dealer, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get a set out to you. So it's uh, kind of a uh, you know that uh, little uh, that extra mile we would like to go for for our customers because we we know it's um, you know archery uh, bow hunting. It's not a uh, a cheap sport. It's uh, you value your, your money. We and you when we're appreciative that when you. Uh, uh, take time and you uh, you buy our products thank you much mr tim Chekarowski. and uh i just want to say when it comes to bow hunting right i think that in, in my personal opinion i don't think we as bow hunters are shooting enough bows i think what we do is we go and we take a recommendation of our friend which is great or we maybe read online which is great but i think when it comes to archery there is so much invested into how a bow feels in your hands not in your buddy's hands and i think that can make or break an experience with a specific bow um in the past i've shot bows that i i shot because that's just what someone told me to buy or um what was in front of me at the time and what i mean by that is at my local bow shop when maybe i should have drove an hour to go shoot a bow uh, I feel that it's the, the bow is a weapon that you need to be good at and uh, and you owe it to the animal when you're bow hunting to be good at it and I think that uh, if guys would just expand a little bit on what they know and shoot more bows before they decide on a purchase I really think that they will find the bow that fits them right and they're going to just have more success with it not necessarily for killing deer or animals but just 
having a fun experience with archery and they'll want to shoot their bow more and when you shoot your bow more you become more accurate and when you become more accurate then is when you can start really killing stuff so uh just uh that's just my two cents really uh appreciate josh and tim hopping on the podcast today and talking about uh, their respective companies and the products that they make and and sharing their opinions and i would love to hear what you guys have to say so on the Facebook page, the uh, Sportsman's Nation Facebook page, go to this post and give your opinions on what we've discussed today. Uh, I'd love to hear them. If there is another bow manufacturer that you would really like to have on the show, uh, send me a DM through the Nine Finger Chronicles or through the Sportsman's Nation, either Facebook or Instagram, and uh, I'll see what I can do. And if you have another request as far as products are concerned that either you want me and Bob to talk about or you want uh, me to interview somebody from a specific uh, category or from a specific uh, manufacturer, just let me know. I'll, I will do my best. And other than that, man, uh, go out, enjoy. It's bow hunting season right now across uh, most of North America. Enjoy yourself, have fun, be safe, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>